Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art, where we bring you a new story about your world in every episode. Today's guest is comic book shop owner Gabriel Mendez, a businessman who has loved comic books all his life and credits them for his literacy and imagination. We'll talk about how comic book characters have shaped American pop culture and how their storylines are helping the next generation be more accepting of others. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Since the year 2000, there have been 25 motion pictures that have grossed between $787 million and $2.7 billion. And all of them have one thing in common. They were based on comic book superheroes. Yep, those comic books that you, your parents, and grandparents grew up with laid the foundation for all these supernatural characters mystical plot lines, and moral dilemmas amazingly told by Marvel Comics and DC Comics. It took a while, but Hollywood saw a gold mine and went after an audience that had gone untapped for decades, the comic book fan. For years, comic books were thought of a passing fad for children, mainly young boys, and grown-up teens and young adults who were nerdy. Bazinga! Don't let those stereotypes on Big Bang Theory fool you. Comic books and graphic novels accounted for $1.28 billion in sales for 2020. Amazing numbers for a year plagued by the pandemic, which saw a 6% increase over sales in 2019. And those numbers are just for the U.S. and Canada alone. There are way larger percentage numbers of comic book sales in Asia. Surprisingly, for a comic book world that often features modern technology, half of all comic book sales still take place at physical bookstore retailers, from big conglomerates to local bookstores like the one featured on today's episode. Red Pegasus Comics was founded in 2014 by my friends Gabriel Mendez and his partner Kenneth Denson. What started as a pop-up shop turned into a successful venture that has earned the couple a steady clientele and multiple awards from local media and business chambers. But the most rewarding thing about the shop is that it has created a safe place for those who seek stories and art that help them escape and let their imagination go wild. I want to welcome to the show an amazing fellow I met 15 years ago back in Dallas, Texas, Gabriel Mendez. Gabriel has spent the last decade building an iconic business in historic Oak Cliff that provides the best in comic books, graphic novels, toys, and collectibles. And on behalf of all adults, Gabriel, I want to thank you for extending our childhood well, well into our 30s, 40s, and 50s with these works of art. Thank you for coming on the show, Gabriel. Well, thank you so much for having me. That's that's a really great intro. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Before we go into discussions, I want to hear a little mm-hmm. bit about you. How'd you get into this? Uh, well, a little bit about me. Well, so I've been 
a lifelong lover of comic books. In fact, when, when it came time to learn how to read, um, my mom used comic books to, to help with that, help that process along. And then um, I, I became a, a pretty uh, avid reader, especially of all things sci-fi and horror. And, um, but also I, I, I just fell in love with the art and um, would find myself drawing and reading and drawing all through my childhood. And uh, that later on helped me get into um, Booker T. Washington, the, the arts magnet high school here in Dallas where I studied illustration and um, printmaking and jewelry. And then um, the whole time just reading comic books and, uh, but by my teen years, I was, I was hiding that fact. I was hiding from you reading were still comics. into the comic books. Yes, yeah. I, I, back in the nineties, it wasn't yet cool to be a nerd and read comics. Right? Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and then in college, um, I, I no longer wanted to draw, but I still loved art. So I went to college for art history where I'm just studying and reading and going to museums all the time. And um, yeah, I just, I, I really, really loved it. And then um, some time went by and um, Kenneth, my husband uh, and I were talking about starting our own business. And we had just moved to Oak Cliff and um, I had gotten really, tired of driving 30 minutes across town to pick up my comics. Um, Keith's Comics here in Dallas, Texas is a fantastic store, but they were just so far from me. I've been going to him since I was 13. And um, so I thought, well, there's something that's Oak Cliff, that Oak Cliff is missing. Uh, so let's try it out. Let's try a comic book shop. And uh, we started with, with low commitment. We rented out a, a, a small warehouse space for two months, it was only supposed to be two months. And we, uh, we got in there and we just started putting out whatever we had, whatever was coming in, which was not comic books. We were a comic shop that didn't sell comic books for the first two months. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it took off, people kept coming back and kept coming back and then two months became four. And then um, I think on the sixth month we decided to go permanent and then move into there was a business for this. There was a draw for this. Yeah, there seemed to be uh, an appetite for it here in Oak Cliff. So we just kept providing as much as we could. And um, and now we just celebrated, um, I think, eight or nine years, somewhere around there. Congratulations. To, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And congratulations to Kenneth, your partner. Uh, I know yes. Kenneth from my political organizing days back in the day. And that's how I got to meet you. And I love how you, what you just said right now, that that was one of the first books that you read as a child, comic mm -hmm. books. That helped so many kids grow up, learn how to read, learn about science, you know, learn about teaching a kid imagination, critical thinking, Yes, how this human being got this certain power or how this alien came from another universe, trying to expand their minds, expand their realities. These comic books gave us a lot, especially for kids that didn't have much, you know, growing up. When they got hand-me-down comic books, it was like a whole world that opened up to them. I remember- Right. Yeah. When I was- Right, I mean, up, I remember going, yeah, I remember going to the library and checking out uh, older comic books from the, from the 70s uh, and 60s. And, you know, I think a lot of my uh, ideals about what's right and what's wrong and what's justice uh, and what's uh, good for humanity and good for myself, 
um, I think a lot of that came from reading comic books. Yeah, it kind of like helps develop kids along the way. And I just remember sneaking Wonder Woman into <laughs> my room because it was sort of like, it was a girl comic book because it yeah. was a woman on there. I should be reading Superman. Or, I kind of felt guilty because I was, you know, should be reading Batman and Superman, but I was drawn to Wonder Woman. And especially I grew up in the time when Wonder Woman was on television. So I was yeah. sort of like, I get to see her. It was like, not only do, do I get to see her on television, but I get to have her on demand by going to this comic book. And you don't, you just don't read it once. You read it a hundred times to get things that you may have missed, or you just look mm -hmm. at the drawings and wonder what would that be out, you know, if you were in that place. I mean, you just, it gives you permission to escape. And that's what- Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was really fortunate that um, my mom would help me. Um, I would steal my sister's red socks and my mom would help me put masking tape down the center of them. Yeah. So look just like Linda Carter's Wonder Woman boots. <laughs> I love that for I love that. <laughs> I love that. So of course, uh I love how you, even though you had an art background, you went to study art in one of the best high schools in Texas. You had an art background, but you decided to do business. How yeah. how was the business received in your local community? Aside from the uh, base. I mean, it was received with open arms. Uh, we, you know, one of the things that I feel both Kenneth and I excel at is customer service. And that's not just because of um, our backgrounds in, you know, as uh, uh, employees of various businesses, but also, you know, throughout the years, but also our experiences as customers. Um, and so that was a primary focus when going into this business was dispelling a lot of the rumors or a lot of the, um, I guess mythology of of what a comic book shop guy is, right? <laughs> uh, in popular media, you always see some some really gruff, uh, angry, sarcastic. Yeah, um, everybody guy working on the counter. Theory, they're going to see the comic book guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we we know I, I know that comics can be such an intimidating realm to get into, especially at first. Um, and so I wanted to go into this having just the best customer services as uh, I could provide and make comic books for everybody, make it, you know, so accessible for new readers, for young readers, for, uh, for everybody. Uh, that was really, really important. And um, I think the neighborhood caught on to that. Um, in fact, I know that they did because in 2016, I, we won uh, best new business in neighborhood uh, or in the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce. Um, so that was our first big, uh, feather in our cap uh, that I'm really proud of. Congratulations. Well deserved. Thank you. Now, I do remember hearing that you did get some negative pushback because of your sexual orientation. You know, um, I think we've been really fortunate in that we haven't really. Oh, okay. We never we never hit anything about it. But as you may recall, I think it was in 2016, 2017. I always get the dates wrong. Uh, in June, when, when Texas uh, legalized gay marriage, Kenneth and I were uh, in line at the courthouse at 7 a.m. waiting for the, the word to come down that, you know, we were going to get married or we weren't or what's going to happen. And so Kenneth put up a sign in the door that said, um, we'll be opening late. We're going to see if we can get the rights to get married. 
or something Aww. to that effect. <laughs> and and a customer took a photo of that and uh, posted it on Reddit, and it went viral. It was insane. Now, while that was happening, you know, we weren't aware of that because we were at the courthouse waiting to get married. Yes, and um, we were third, uh, third in line, third couple in in Dallas to uh, to get married, and we were followed by uh, the Associated Press and and um, and PR and Yahoo News, and everybody was suddenly knew who we were, and and then red pe- red Pegasus comic books owners. Yes. And then, because we wore our work shirts, right? We were going yeah. to work after this. So we were wearing our work shirts. And then uh, after a few hours, they started to connect the dots at who we were. And then the, that uh, photo that was going viral on Reddit. And then that's when it really exploded. And so we spent the whole day just taking phone calls and, and doing interviews. And it was, it was, fantastic it was amazing reception um we got so incredibly lucky uh and then a month later (laughs) and then a month later um we got a cease and desist from the mobile oil corporation they were not happy that we were using a logo or a name that was very similar to their iconic logo okay and uh we started to get a lot of press about that like recently married gay couple now faces oil giant kind of thing <laughs> and so um that that really uh we had a lot of people coming out in support of us we had to change our logo we were um lucky enough to keep our name and um you know we started to get some at that point started to get some unwanted attention from customers you know uh, started to get the I don't want to say the bad kind of customer, but you know, people that we had never seen before, people that didn't know us, didn't know our story, started to make their way in, and and I would say we were able to turn those people into um, ongoing customers, good customers. But you know, occasionally one will fall through the cracks that we're just not able to make a connection with, and that became uh, a bit of a of a nightmare. Uh, we did have. Um, and uh, this is probably the closest we'll ever get to um, harassment for our sexual orientation, but we had somebody throw a brick through our window and call and harass us and um, harass us online using the F slur. Um, And that was really jarring. That was really traumatic. I mean, you open a business, you... Mm -hmm. Put yourself out to the world but social media kind of ticked up your game and then that lawsuit from the the oil company put you on the map and it's just sort of like i could see you as an art person being very like introverted but now you're mm-hmm. putting this stage where now you got to interact with so many people and <laughs> yes then, and you think that you kind of want to provide a space that allows introverts to go in there and seek out what they're looking for you know the art that they're looking for and you want to create that space so have you been able to provide that to them yes yeah i only i like to think that we have um we've had um we've had customers that have been with us since day one and they've been so supportive and i really think we're just so lucky to have people that keep coming back um 
even when they don't even live in Dallas anymore, they continue to buy from us monthly. Online? And online, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, so we we like to, we know that, that people who are reading comic books um, and manga or playing games are perhaps not the most uh, social, you know, the, the, yeah. the social skills may not be as developed as, uh, as there with some people. Um, and so we like to welcome them with open arms as much as we can. So how have comic books changed over the years? Oh my goodness. Like back in the 40s and 50s, it was always, you know, we're battling Nazis. Mm-hmm. But now it's like so much of real world stuff is getting in, infiltrated, I believe. You think? Right. Well, in the 40s, I mean, Nazis were a very real threat. The war that was going on was very real. It was, you couldn't really escape the news. So, of course, that made its way into comic books. And the same goes for everything that's going on now with um, corporate corruption and gender politics and um, where people of colors, uh, where they fit into the world of, of superheroes. Um, and so it's it's an ongoing uh, struggle to not let any uh, commentary about woke wokeness uh, in yeah. comic books infiltrate uh, our store. We don't typically follow uh, that rhetoric, or we don't give into that conversation. From a creative standpoint, you know these artists and writers they come up with new characters. And they hope that an audience will find it. And when they don't, that character fades away. That comic book fades away. It doesn't work. So the next best thing that they can do is create a new character, but attach it to an established character. So for an example, Miss America Chavez, who is a new character that we're going to be seeing a lot of in 2022, I think a character like that would never be been able to stand on their own. So they had to make the connection to Captain America and Captain Marvel. And now we have a new character. I, so. I like that uh, before we got on the interview, how we we're talking about how themes uh, have changed over the years. We talked about sure, yeah. how, for instance, Superman. When I you read all the old comics and old see the movies and the and the TV episodes, he was there carrying the American flag, fighting for the American way. And most recently, I watched Lewis and Clark on the CW, and he got chastised by the American government for saving a Korean North Korean sub that was about to explode, and he's like telling the army dude uh i'm here to protect the planet just not not just america you know i'm not just serving your needs i'm serving the world's needs and i'm like that was something that we would never hear back in the day and i love how he's expanding how we need to protect the whole planet and that he's not going to be defined by politics you know Mm -hmm. and that's something that we would never hear in the pack but i i think that this needed to be we're at this point because we've just, we've seen how bad it could have gone. We could have lost the Constitution last year in January sixth, and we need mm-hmm. to start having these conversations about authority. You know, totalitarian those types of governments that are just that we may become if we don't check ourselves. And I just, right. I, I'm just so happy that one they just don't follow the same pattern. As, you know, they're they're expanding. 
and they're mm-hmm. letting people know that we have to deal with complicated issues in a more and there's there's intricate ways of dealing with stuff. You have got to put some critical thinking behind it, you know. And I love that they're taking us on on that route. Yeah, and in art, evolution and expansion is is a must, or it becomes outdated and almost useless, right? When you when you think about characters that were created in the '70s, things like uh, Shang Chi, Iron Fist, um, uh, oh gosh, Luke Cage. Um, these are all characters that were created in the seventies and they have a very seventies look about them still. And so when they're trying to translate that into the 21st century, how can you do that? How does that work? Um, and Marvel has been very successful with that, especially with, with a character like Shang-Chi with his latest film and, um, with the success of the Luke Cage and the, uh, Iron Fist television series, um, they were able to expand upon the mythologies of these characters and bring them into a more modern uh, environment. And that gives the characters and the people who created them so much more credit and depth and uh, life. So it's it's very much needed, that uh, expansion. These characters that they're creating, I mean, everybody just thinks, okay, comic book store, but no, the basis of the comic book store is setting the foundation of all these people that are going to grow up and they're going to buy movie tickets. Mm -hmm. And they're fueling a multi-billion dollar industry where we have almost probably half of the movies that make the top 10 at the end of the year are all superhero movies. And they rake in money, pandemic or not, they're making money. And they're like integrated into our lives. I mean, one um, case is Chad Chadwick Bosman, when I hope mm-hmm. I said his last name correctly, amazing actor, but he got super popular because of Black Panther. And yes. when he passed away, the fact that he passed away and the reason why he passed away created the surge of people going to go check themselves for colon cancer, you know? The, I mean, because yeah. he was so attached to that character, people looked up to him that he was the best and they admired him as a person also off, off camera. And when this, the sad thing that he died at 43 and how, yeah. how someone so young could get colon cancer. And then people started saying, well, maybe I should get checked. And then they later find out that black men are dying of colon cancer, uh, uh, cancer more than their white peers. It's sort of like, it kind of created this sort of like, yeah, we lost him, but he kind of created this health awareness behind his death. His death was not in vain. He's saving lives still. He's the superhero that he was always. You know, he's yeah. saving lives by bringing attention. I just love how these characters, you know, whether they're wearing the uniform or not, they're they're mm-hmm. living on. We've made them icons into our world. You know, well, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, it's very hard to see Christopher Reeve other than Superman for my generation. <laughs> he made a lot of yeah. movies, but he'll always be Superman in my in my head. Yeah, I mean, it also you know, growing up reading comic books, and you know, when you're a child and you don't feel, you know, sometimes when you don't feel secure, you don't feel like you have uh, power. Um, and then turning to comics and seeing small children or seeing children like with teen titans, um, you know, owning 
their their youth and owning their small stature and using that to their advantage and still being able to uh, help themselves and help others. Uh, yeah, it's definitely empowering. Um, yeah, I 100% agree that um, it creates a narrative that will probably last your whole life. What's the one LGBTQ uh, comic book character that has you feel is empowering right now? Ooh. Because um, it's I'll almost like the, the, the craze. Everyone's coming out of the closet now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, you're right. Um, it's, but I will say, you know, it is still very important how creators um, handle or uh, uh, the coming out process for a character that it's still very important. Um, I was very excited to see the Iceman, one of the long standing uh, X-Men characters was now um, identifying as a gay man and that's great, but his, how he was uh, outed to the rest of the team and, and of course to us, the readers was not handled with the delicacy that that situation I feel requires. Um, that was a little, you know, problematic and I'm I'm happy to see that how characters come out in the future or have, uh, come out since then has been handled a lot um, a lot better a lot of times these days we're seeing characters that are just introduced immediately out out and proud Miss America Chavez uh, going back to her is another great example of a character that's already introduced as uh, a lesbian and you know we're that's great there's no hemming and hawing and beating around the bush. There's no buildup. It's just an aspect of the character that you get right there, right from the beginning. And I and think that's, that's the way that's it awesome. needs to start being, where it's just, you're going to meet gay people in your life, you know, LGBTQ yeah. people. You just, you don't need to have a struggle story or backstory. You're just going to sit one day, find yourself sitting next to one. And that's the way it's going to be introduced, you know. Yeah, and I think that's also that also speaks to where we are as a as a society in in, in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one, where it uh, people have become thankfully so much more accepting of the LGBT community that the sob stories that people of our age yeah. uh, have um, have come to expect when coming out is not it's not the it, I wouldn't say it's um, as normal as we as we think it is, yeah. Anymore. So you spend quite the day, you know, in your comic book business store. Mm -hmm. What are the do's and don'ts when you go to a comic book store? <laughs> are you allowed to actually pick up a comic book and read halfway through it? Or I mean, or do you like no? You really need to buy that before you actually open it, or don't actually open the packaging. You don't get to like test run it. I mean, what are the rules? Well, every store has their own rules. Now, in my store, we bag and board everything as soon as it comes in, every every comic book as soon as it comes into the store. And that's because temperature control can be really tough sometimes, right? It's, you, you've been to Texas. You know how hot yes. and humid it can get. So, yeah. So we want to protect the book as much as possible. Um, so, But I still encourage people to take it out of the bag, have a look, see if it's something you're interested in, take a look at the art, uh, make sure it's appropriate for your child. Um, but in doing so, I like to encourage people to handle them gently. The spine on comic books are very delicate. You don't want to break it. If you're collecting comic books, that's something you want to watch out for is the spine and the, the page. You make sure they're not dog-eared in any way. 
that the, the paper itself hasn't been uh, affected by the moisture in the air and rippled. Um, but if you're just reading it for the story, have at it. Um, but yeah, in, in my store, you know, watch how you handle the spine. Um, please have a, have a look, see if that's something you're even into. Um, ask a lot of questions. But my biggest pet peeve, the biggest question I get that drives me nuts is, um, what's the most expensive thing you have in here? Oh my I get God. that. A, I get that. <laughs> you would be surprised how many times we get that. Um, That's that such question. a weird question. That is. Such a I weird, know. Yeah. I, I've. I've. It's in me to respond to that question with a joke uh, to be funny about it, and just whenever somebody asks me that question, "What's the most expensive thing you have in here?" My response is usually, "Why are you gonna are you case in the joint? Are you gonna rob me? What's going on?" And that usually gets them. <laughs> that usually gets them to laugh. Um, yeah. But I never know how to respond to that question. I'm always just kind of like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, so maybe don't ask that. Don't ask that. Don't ask yeah. that. And of, of course, wear a mask. Yes. Yeah. Dealing, doing retail in a pandemic is not the easiest thing. We do our best to make sure that um, we're keeping our customers and our staff as healthy as we can. So wear a mask, uh, we wear a mask. We ask that everybody entering the building wears a mask. Um, we have not gotten uh, any pushback. Um, I like to think it's because uh, I'm so big and imposing uh, <laughs> <laughs> that they don't, uh, they don't that there's no confrontation. Um, occasionally my, my staff, my employees will get some pushback and I, uh, I will tell them, well, if you need to close the store for a little bit and take a breather, take a break, you know, realize that you're not the problem. Um, not everybody's going to be like that. You know, do that. Do Take a break if you need to. Um, because, yeah, the when they see the kids, in air quotes, when they see the kids working, uh, yeah. they, they usually see that as free reign to sass, to sass the, the staff. Well, the safest way you can go into a comic book store is, well, to purchase a comic book is by doing it online. How do the, how can people find you online? Well, redpegasuscomics.com is uh, our website. It is updated weekly. Every Tuesday, we get new things. We get boxes and boxes of new things. Um, so it's updated uh, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Uh, you can always follow us on Instagram at Red Pegasus Comics. That's C O M I X, and uh, we post photos of these new things. In fact, um, because the pandemic has made it a little bit tougher to engage with people, uh, we've just started a new uh, YouTube video where we unbox things. Now, Jesse, I don't know if you watch any unboxing videos on YouTube, but they are incredibly satisfying and relaxing. Very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we you just Google or if you just look up Red Pegasus uh, Comics on YouTube. Uh, I think we have six videos now of us unboxing uh, the new stuff, and it's so it's it's like very... Christmas for people that are really love comic books. I could imagine yes. it's probably like Christmas Eve. You're opening gifts, and they get to see oh what's coming <laughs> in the store. Yes, and you also get to see me panic a little bit when, when you open the box, and uh, suddenly there's adult material that I was not expecting. 
there's just mature items because right it's there not on top. just comic books that you all sell. What are what's the whole range that you sell? The whole well, we try product. to provide we try to pro provide material for every age group, and uh, so you, yeah, we get things for young readers, whether that's board books and uh, little golden books. Uh, we do get comic books, and then we also get collections of um, uh, art books. Recently, we just got uh, a collection of manga, which is Japanese uh, comic books. Uh, but it's specifically the um, gay men who create them and all of their work. So it's a showcase of their work. And so the cover is a nice beefcake shot of a, of a nice muscly man. And um, yeah, opening the box to, uh, to that on video was <laughs> was, a, was a surprise. And then of course we have a we have a, a plethora of um, mystery minis, and blind boxes, and little little trinkets and things like that. Which is the the stuff that uh, I really love, all of the little 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 figurines and such. Well, Deborah, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about your life in the comic book world and how you bring you bring joy to so many people who come into your store. Thank you, thank, thank you so much for having me. Keeping Old Cliff amazing, the Bishop Arts District where you're located, and the birthplace. If people don't know of Yvonne Craig, who used to play Batgirl in the TV show during the 60s. She was from Oakland. So yeah, you're a very historic uh, part of a part of, of Dallas. And I'm so happy you. that you're 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 successful, you're winning awards, and you've got a great fan base there. Thank you, yes. It's been a fun ride.